Welcome to the Black Women Unfiltered podcast, a podcast that explores the unfiltered journeys of Black women in discovering their purpose, owning their truth, and embracing their path of self-growth. This podcast encourages Black women to use their voices to reflect on their life experiences and expound on their truths that shape them into the woman they are now. This is Black Women Unfiltered, and I'm your host, Whitney Sam. Today in the guest chair, we have Regina Murden. Regina Murden is an educator, inspired Bible teacher, and writer. Her purpose is to encourage women to experience the joy of a fulfilled life. She knows this can only happen from a close relationship with God. Because of her involvement in discipleship, she founded The Responsive Soul. This organization is primarily for women who are willing to become aware of their accountability to God. She currently resides in Memphis, Tennessee. In her spare time, she likes to take long walks, loves horseback riding, and enjoys traveling. Let's welcome Regina to the chair. Hi, Regina. I'm so happy to have you in the chair and excited to hear your story about making your transition from a teacher into ministry and discipleship. Hi, Whitney. Thank you for having me on your show today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, well, I'm a Memphis native. I'm the youngest of three. Um, I have two older sisters. Um, I'm pretty much a person to enjoy trying new things in life. Um, I probably like to try too many new things, but um, I'm, I'm just pretty much easygoing. I love nature. I love walking. I love horses, horseback riding. And most important, I love meeting new people. I really do. That's funny. I'm the youngest of three, and I have two older sisters, too. Oh, yay! So you can relate. (laughs) Yes, and I'm also a a preacher's kid, so. Oh, awesome. PKs. (laughs) Oh, you're a preacher's kid as well. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a a pastor. He retired um, not too long ago, about almost about four or five years ago. And so, yeah, I know what that is like. It is a different um, lens to go through in life. It's a good one, but it's also different. You see it from another perspective of, you know, we're all trying to get healing. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, both my mom and my dad are both ministers and they're um, pastors, they pastor. So, yeah, since about, I think my mom went in ministry when I was about 10. So it's been a while. But, Amazing. Yeah, glad. We, glad we can relate on that. <laughs> So we're going to start all the way at the beginning of your journey. And so at first you were a teacher. Um, Can you kind of tell us about, you know, your journey from being a teacher to where you are now? Sure. Well, being a teacher, which is actually, I'm glad. I would love to share that because um, if I didn't start there, I didn't think the stepping stones to where I'm at now would quite make sense. So um, I was placed in teaching because I'm very spiritual and I believe that we are placed in certain you know spaces in our lives to transition and to shape us or to strengthen us so for me it was the education realm and so god placed me there as a teacher and i wasn't initially headed that route i was going the medical route which was perfect and then i mean everything was going great but then all of a sudden he just shut it down like you know when god shut it down like whoa you know mm-hmm. stop you say okay let's stop let's assess this, see what's going on. And then so I went towards 
education and I even heard, you know, this guy for teaching. But it's so interesting. I did not know that the teaching that he eventually was leading me to was more spiritual teaching, but he let me get my my, I will say my groundwork in education teaching. So that was my practice, Phil. So in teaching, I taught um, a lot of different, more of the untraditional route. It was more of special needs, high school level. I did elementary, um, a little bit middle, but not quite. It was odd. I can probably explain it because the setting, like I said, Cliff, the setting had um, a mixture of kids. So the school was set up not your traditional setting. So I was able to pull some of those middle schoolers. So yeah, that's what actually happened. And um, I enjoyed it. I really did. I really enjoyed it. It shaped me and molded me because I came from a sheltered home. So I needed that, those different personalities, those different personalities from the student's perspective and also uh, social economic backgrounds and also from the administration. So it was great. It was everything. God was just pouring into me. Um, it was trying times. I cried. I laughed. Um, sometimes I cried too much because I was like, God, get me out of this. You know? But, you know, you don't leave when you're under um, that fire, when he's refining you. And I'm glad I didn't leave until he told me it was time to leave. And then when he was finished refining me, I transitioned and moved into ministry. And um, that's where I'm at now, currently in my life. Yes. And how long did you do teaching? Teaching was, well, roughly was about, I want to say about five years. Yes. Okay. And so when was the first moment that God spoke to you about transitioning into ministry? What was that moment like for you? So what was that moment? Okay. Well, in some ways, I... I'm going to put it like this. In some ways, I think I knew. You know how you know sometimes, but then you're like, no, oh, that's not it. So you push it to the side. So I think it was there. I just wasn't um, being sensitive to it, to what he was calling me to do. So I was being disobedient, I guess. <laughs> I wasn't really um, uh, listening to it. Or I heard it, but I wasn't quite sure. That's a good way to put it. But he gave me affirmations and confirmed it on the way till I could actually understand his language, what he was leading me towards. Um, I remember just being younger. If I just look at how everything was set up with the teachers, my peers, and a lot of them were like, look at you, you're going to, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm like, no, you're talking about, I want to pay good. I'm not about to like do something with ministry, but some, I guess they saw it in me. Or um, a lot of times with my teachers, you know, I had a fourth grade teacher not too long ago. She was like, when I was teaching, she was like, why are you teaching? You're supposed to be doing something with spiritual background. I was like, oh, okay. And then I contacted her, let her know that I, um, I, I took that leap and I did that. But I believe when I really knew for sure, and there was no second guessing about it, it was um, just during a time actually when, I knew when I was stepping in those doors for the first time to teach. Mm. It's like he spoke to me and I knew it. Like, you won't be here long. This is not what you're really here to do. Um, and you're not really here to teach the kids. I'm about to teach you. And I was like, oh. And so I think that's when I really knew. I said, okay. And I was, I just went for it. I went all in and took each step. So, yeah. Okay. Did you have... Do you feel like you had a little bit of resistance to that because your dad was a preacher? 
I know oh. all, all pre-K kids, like everyone's like, oh, you're going to be a, a minister or pastor like your parents? And you're like, uh, no. But do you think you had a little resistance to that because of, you know, your parents? It could be. I mean, that's a huge responsibility. It is, um, it, it's, it's an ongoing um, position, you know, that you have to you know, look after not only your own, tend to your own soul, but you have to tend to other souls as well. I, I, I'll say, yeah, my, most definitely, perhaps so. And it could have just been me too a little bit, just, I don't know, being the baby of the family too. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. Just being honest and frank with you, but yeah. Did your parents ever say that you were called? You know what? My mom and my dad also, because it's so interesting, he will always take me underneath his wings and, you know, break. Like, I love to look in, like, I always really did love to go into the Bible verses and look into it, you know, doing the soap methods and looking at it and doing inductive uh, reading or exegesis of I just love that. I don't know why. As a young kid, I always really just love going into the word and reading it and see what how does it apply in my life. And so my dad and I, we did share that uh, uniqueness there. But what I love about my parents, they allow us to explore um, a lot of different avenues. They never mm-hmm. force anything on us because they believe that God will lead us. They really were spiritual and they believe that. And they sort of sees in us. And I'm very grateful that they trust us that way. Because sometimes, you know, I've seen a lot of my friends, they do not have that, um, first of all, Christian background or parents that allow them to choose the route. Sometimes your parents tell you what to do. And it's like, whoa, you know, is that the route for you? But uh, with my mom, does she always seen it? I would have to admit, she never questioned it. It's like she knew each one of us what we're supposed to do. Perhaps God told her what she was carrying in, inside of her room, perhaps so. And um, she always seen it, but she believed that it was a process. It was going to be a growth process for me. For me, and I remember her always say, "I see you climbing." You know, she's she has a unique spiritual gifts in some ways, prophetic. Um, but um, she was like, "I see you climbing. You climbing this mountain is so weird." And she, for me, she was explaining to me as dreams, I guess, so that she wouldn't frighten me in ways. But mm-hmm. we'll see exactly what I was seeing um, personally with a spiritual like spiritual warfare or spiritual uh, mountain I was climbing. Like she was there to I'm like, whoa, how does she know? How can she feel what this is inside me? Like what I'm experiencing. So yeah, she's just, you know, stopped babbling so much, but yeah, she saw it. Um, and yeah, in my bed as well, he saw it, but yeah. <laughs> so you said that you had visions yourself? Oh yeah, I, I did. Um, it was different though. I, it was more like, I don't see pictures. I see words, if that makes sense. I'm more visual through the sense of words and a lot of words, actually. If you find me right now, um, I, before I even came on today, I have this journal right next to me. I'm, I'm always receiving words. Um, mm-hmm. It's writing. And that's something that the children always notice about me. It's like, Miss Megan, you're always writing. I'm like, am I? <laughs> I guess it's a little, um, part of me. I never really paid attention to that. So yeah, yeah. Was there a specific word that he showed you before you went down your path into discipleship? Um, let's see. Well, with him, he shows me. Well, I kind of say it was a specific word, but I would say he gave me in parts with different verses, different. Okay. Um, not only just different verses, but different. Um 
I don't know how much I can share. That's why I don't know. Like I'm just, I don't know how much I can allow me to share, but it's like, it's different with um, what he said in a way for his language for me to receive it. Okay. But I had to mature to it. So what was the first actionable step that you took into going into the ministry? Okay. So the first step for sure um, would be my relationship with God. Um, I mean, to even want to do ministry, you definitely need to strengthen your relationship with them. I mean, I always had it, but I just know that, you know, you just got to go a little bit more farther, go deeper. And I was willing. I mean, come on. I love Jesus. Why not? And then the next step was to go into seminary. So I wrote in seminary at Memphis Theological Seminary. Um, and that's where I started learning more and applying and, you know, listening to different um, viewpoints or lens to how people see, you know, the Bible. There were some, and at the seminary, they actually invited different faiths at Memphis Theological Seminary. So I got to see the ones that, you know, kind of did not, or you would call as heretics. They did not believe much of the, the Bible, you know, the gospel, the good news. And then you had some that did believe or they were seeking their faith. So that was a very unique journey there. Um, gave me an open mind perspective. Um, and um, yeah, I'm glad for that experience. And um, I'm trying to think if there's something else. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't know how I forgot that. And also he invited people. Like when you, you know, when you start walking, taking a step, because God, he just doesn't really, he moves, but he really moves when you're not parked. So when you start taking the steps, he brings, he starts bringing in like different type of people that help pour into me, was giving me resources. And that was really helpful, very helpful and insightful. So, yeah. Did you pursue a degree at the seminary? Well, this is what actually happened. Very interesting. Glad you asked this. So I was actually in the Masters of Art Christian Studies. Okay. And I actually, well, I'm not going to go into details because I don't want to shame any theology seminary. It's, I think it's still a pretty good seminary. I mean, it has good um, information. But at the time, you know, just like anything, uh, if you put some bad seeds in it, you have to, um, it will cause some bad, something will sprout badly. So I'm just going to say when I was almost close to finishing and he said that you won't be finishing here and it was okay, but I'm glad you asked this though. And so I did not finish. I quit. And a lot of people was like, whoa, we're shocked. And then a lot of them, even the administration called for me to come back. I even have good, strong friendship and ties there, but did not complete it. And it was interesting because like months later, a lot of things was revealed through the um, community. Uh, even the chancellor and the president, he left abruptly. There was a lot going on. So I was protected, actually. There was a protection that was occurring right there. And then I had to take that trust up because I'm like, God, I need this. But he's showing me you do not need paper, you know, certification exactly for my route um, to do what he wanted to use me for. So instead, I wrote into God. It was the one-on-one seminary where it was just me and him. He was, um, like I said, he brought people to me to teach me personally one-on-one. He was teaching me personally one-on-one. I had to learn the different meanings with Greek. I mean, it was hard, but it was me and him and the Bible. And I had to spend long, intensive, long, intensive hours, even now, um, with him, dissecting and in, 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 ingesting it and be able to receive. What are you saying? So it was him and the Holy Spirit. And that was actually a very personal 
um, little experience for me, and I'm actually grateful for it, very grateful. And then when I needed to travel to get other information, he'll send me to Texas if I needed to go over there or send me wherever. He knew exactly where I needed to be to get the information, whatever was needed. So I'm very grateful for that. I can agree with that. And sometimes you don't need like formal education, but you know, you learn a lot through networking and mentorship. Yeah, that's definitely true. I agree. You say your purpose is to help women walk in discipleship. How did you get to that exact niche that you wanted to help women? Okay. Well, actually, I got there. Basically, it started out with just Bible study. I was just, you know, just doing Bible study with a group of women. And then from there, um, like I said, it just started just growing into this wonderful plethora of a community where you can feel accountable. Like I always knew I was looking for accountability and it's good to have that, especially when we walk and we need those hard checks and like, Hey, what's going on here? How can I, you know, um, reconsider what I'm doing in this area in life. And so that is how the ministry of responsive soul, which is pretty much a virtual online community where you're, you're using each other as a, as a, as a base to help you to move as a stepping stone to your next um, stepping stone. And then you take that and then you be another stepping stone to someone else. So it's pretty much where you're discipling. Um, it's also Bible study and it's just a fun community. So, yeah. Okay. And can you explain discipleship? Sure. Yeah. So discipleship is nothing like, it's nothing too great all over the place. It is very basic and simple. It just means transformation. It's able to be able to be taught and yet to teach. It's an ongoing, in this case, of the good news, the truth, the word. And if we're being spiritual vessels, we're using discipleship in our community to be able to grow deeper into his word and to be able to learn and to love in community and also be able to engage in, you know, small groups because just like Jesus had disciples and that's what we want to have that group when we are down sometimes or even when we're elated, we need that. It helps us because we all have blind spots and we cannot always see them, but someone nearby can see that for you and it can help you and that helps grow your faith and help grow you spiritually. So yeah, so that's what discipleship really is in a nutshell. Okay. And then going back to your purpose, is it to help all women or just black women? Very good question. Yes. Okay. So my um, spectrum that he gave me is actually for black women. So that is, that's who he gave me. I was like, all right, God, let's go for it. So yes. So I am called to um, black women and what I do is and I'm open to whoever but I know specifically what's the audience who he called me to um, to feed into and that's the community yeah <laughs> there a specific age range like millennial gen z baby boomers it's from the 20s till the like I want to say like late 50s so we have a large range because we actually grow from each other the latest that we had was, um, she's, I, she's, I don't think she might be saying her age. She was like in her 60s, 68, close to 70. And she's just, like I said, you need those spiritual mothers, but mostly it's between the 20s and the 50s, late 50s. So it's a good range there. And then we can learn. I love that. Learn from each other. And are you finding that Black women are open to being taught about 
discipleship um, and spirituality? I would say yes um, and no, because, but honestly, I would say overall, yes. Um, why I say this is because I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a, okay, yeah, I would say yes, because many, they do not know they know how until they see the tools how to disciple. Then once they're open to it and their eyes can see exactly, oh, this is what discipleship is, and they have the confidence, then they see that it is something that's part of them. It's actually something part of all of us. I mean, it's in there, you know, we're go to make disciples, you know, commission. So I think sometimes there's some that naturally know, and then there are some that comes to the table with us and they don't know, and that's okay. That's why we're there with each other. And that's a good, very good question because um, I've seen it um, from, like I said, with working with black women, um, we're kind of have to be like strong. And sometimes mm-hmm. we're strong. We have um, this, this barrier there that maybe I, I don't want to show what I don't quite know to be vulnerable. But mm-hmm. when you see and hear different people's lives and their stories, and it's things like a mirror reflection to their own lives and their own stories, they're able to open up and say, oh, discipleship's not that hard. It's just living life, but living it in a way that we're doing it with God. We're doing it so that we can live, so we can have that social growth, that spiritual growth and emotional growth, which is very important. And are you finding like any battles with how our generation of millennials and Gen Z view the church? I know like just by like social media, a lot of people are saying they're more moving away from religion and being more spiritual. Is that coming to work as far as discussions and, you know, lectures or anything? Most definitely. I I had that um, conversation. What was it? Friday, actually. It was Friday evening. How they're moving away. One young lady said she's moving away from it. And she's actually spiritual. And so Mm -hmm. They feel that in a lot of ways. So there is this different, I guess you say, like, there's a gap there. So you seeing that the disparity that they're seeing right now, like the millennials, they feel like there was that the church is not providing that truth. They feel that it's too religious. There's too many rules, too many laws. And then you see on the other end where they see that, but you need tradition, you need formalities. And I love seeing both because it shows that um, to me, it shows that how the doctrine, because even though um, both, they have their different um, representation, but the main purpose is we're, we're to focus on the doctrine. That's the most important thing ever, because if we don't, just like with Paul, Paul had to charge Timothy um, uh, to tell him to focus on the doctrine. It's not about entertaining. And that's what on some of the millennials see that it was about entertaining, you know, in certain ways like that. And then, so if we focus more on the doctrine and not on the other things or the nuances, that is not important, but we sometimes put that culture from the world in there. Um, I think we're okay, despite that there's those two huge different gaps because it's the doctrine that counts. It's what matters. That was save souls because I'm not saving our souls. It is God. He's just using me as a vessel to be able to do the gift that he placed in me. And that's me. My role is to just focus on the doctrine and let him do the work, do the spirit. So, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I feel, I tell people all the time, the relationship with God is 
one-on-one and the church is supposed to aid and help you. And if you're not in a spiritual place where you feel like that is not helping you, then it's okay to move and find another spiritual body to gather with and get together with. And I think sometimes people use that spirituality thing as a cop-out. But that's just (laughs) You're straightforward. I love it. I do. I agree with that. I totally agree. I say that too. But I always tell myself, you can't really, you know, tell them you're being lazy or cop out because you're like, you don't want to like cut them before you really get the cross where they need to be. But I totally yeah. agree. <laughs> and I feel like people, people are hard on the church. I'm like, you're so hard on the church, but treat it like any other relationship. Like if it's not, how many people have you given second and third chances who didn't deserve it? Like find the That's church true. for you. That is true, very true. And even if it takes a while, keep mm-hmm. finding it. You will get there. Yeah. Absolutely. So have you encountered any setbacks on your transition from teaching to going into ministry and discipleship? Um, I would say for me, just personally, um, for my walk, and I guess I kind of already touched on it to touch base on it earlier. It would be for um, me not quite knowing. I mean, I knew my worth, my identity in some ways, in some sense, but I did not know how to own that, uh, like, or to be able to, um, I'm trying to think of like the right word, but just really know my worth, you know, in a way with my place in life, not just like with myself in the community, but with God, like what is my place? And so they're so interesting because of the book, um, that's what is actually um, focusing on with the memoir of me not really knowing my place or knowing my identity or my worth, which was in God. I mean, I had that relationship, but I did not have it in a sense that it was a healthy relationship. So mm-hmm. it's a setback. And then I had to take that off from an unhealthy relationship to have a healthy relationship. So that was a setback for me. When you say an unhealthy relationship with God, can you explain that a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Well, unhealthy relationship is when we put ourselves or place ourselves um, usually in front of the way of his truth, of his attributes and his character. So what I'm saying is that when we um, choose this to believe or see things in a negative way, because usually that's what it is. It's the accuser. That is God. That's not God's character. His character is good. His character is faithful. And for my personal journey, I can just speak for it was like, I was like deeply in that self-sabotage life. Like I did not understand. I'm like, I love you, Lord, but I would do good. And I was a happy person, but it was just that sometimes I was hard on myself because I felt that somehow I had maneuvered. I, I, I believed and had my my eyes somehow looking at the accuser and what he was writing his narrative in my life. And I was looking that God was really the truth. Well, I knew he was the truth, but I wasn't really seeing God as the truth in the character sense of his goodness. And it became more like a like it's an earning system, but it's not earning. And I knew this. I had that head knowledge, but I was entrapped in there for such a long time for a period that was like, why? Why is this happening? But um, I had to lay it down and just surrender it and just speak. Like that's when you just speak. You speak to 
um, the force to be. You speak, and when you speak the word of God in truth, that healing come because we are covered with His blood, we covered with His power. Because but remember, it is written. It is written means that it is done. It is written is for our good, for our purpose, and that's our authority that we can use. So I had, like I said, I had that aspect, and somehow I. I faltered because I took my eyes, the gaze of that strength from him. And I think that could have happened actually during that time when I was looking, like I was transitioning and I was looking and, you know, like, oh God, what's happening? You know how you have your foot in, but it wasn't all the way in. And then eventually it went, that's when it went all the way in. So I believe that process was helpful for me because looking back now in hindsight, it wasn't fun. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't fun or enjoyable, but is now something I can use to be able to relate with someone else who's experiencing that in their life. So, yeah. Yes, I feel like God always gives you, when you go through a situation, it is for someone else to give them advice. So for someone who's looking into transitioning into the ministry and is scared to take that step, your story is definitely going to be powerful and useful to them. Thank you. What is one pivotal lesson that you've learned on your journey to your purpose? Hmm. Okay. One pivotal lesson, I would say. Relax. I really think that was it. Just relax and give yourself, you know, a breather. I'm kind of like all my life as a, a youngster, I always kind of was like, you know, like my mom, she she must was blessed by God because she never had to like tell us like, okay, this is your bedtime or okay, do your schoolwork. We were just like, we wasn't robots. We had great personalities, but we just did what we had to do. It's like all three of us never wanted conflict or anything, but we just did. We just knew what was expected. And mm-hmm. so I guess my thing is I always was like, you know, I checked this off this list. I checked this off the list. I checked this off the list. So I had to learn to just, you know, we'll just relax and just take a breather. So that was a good thing. And and the best part is I learned to take that breather with God. You know, you, you don't want to do it on your own. Um, you want to make sure you're breathing um, and taking in that rest with God because that's where you get renewed and you just, you get that, just a new perspective. It's a very beautiful new perspective. You're in the present, if that makes sense. You're more in the present than mm-hmm. You know, just saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, and we, but when you're really resting and relaxing, you're not just doing it, you're being within that, when in that, that reason, that can that purpose or, or that section why he has you there um, at that moment in your life. So, yeah, so you don't want to miss all those small moments. They're, they're major. They really are. They really are major because God is all into the little details. He really is. Absolutely. What is one positive thing that has happened on your journey so far in, in your purpose? Is there like a great aha moment that you've had? Um, a great aha moment. Well, okay, I guess for me, aha moment in some ways was when I got to do a podcast with, um, because this was very first on, when I did a podcast with Mama T. Do you know Mama T? At Thelma Wells? Not familiar no oh it's okay it's okay but when I got to and she spoke life into me it was like oh like I don't know that was like an aha moment and like it wasn't planned it wasn't scheduled but she just spoke like she's she's, like God gave her a word and it was just it was beautiful and that was the aha moment because I was just 
uh, receiving something myself personally. And it was just like, whoa, God channeled that through her to me to affirm it. So that was definitely a aha moment. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So you have, you mentioned it earlier, but you have an organization called the Responsive Soul Soul Community. Can you tell us a yeah. little bit more about that and how you started it? Sure. Um, well, Responsive Soul Community, it's, well, I'll have to tell you the meaning. The meaning of it is pretty much is about our souls and it's about how do we respond. We can either respond negatively or we can respond positively. And hopefully we want to respond positively, but we are humans. Sometimes we don't always respond the way we should. And so that's what Responsive Soul is about, responding to what God wants us to do in the moment that he's using us in, as a vessel. Sometimes he have us resting. Sometimes he have us in the field working. Or sometimes you just have us in that middle of the wilderness where you're transitioning. But how are you responding? Are you responding well? And so Responsive Community is there to, for support. It's pretty much there for learning the word. And it's just like, like I said, it's like old school Bible study, but it's just virtual. And then there's um, resources where you can go online and you can um, look at um, different Bible studies. It's about the road to favor and it's in the book of Ephesians. So we look at the word and then we apply it to our lives. And we, we don't try to run off to anything else different. We, we strictly stick to the word. And sometimes we add books in to the studies just to addition with what we're looking at in the Bible. But we always look for books that are more um, inductive studying so that we're not falling too far away into the culture because, you know, we are all of the culture, but we don't have to be in that culture because you can learn from the culture as well. Okay. And is it like a Facebook group or email group? Okay. Well, you can actually find it at www.reginamurden.com. So R-E-G-I-N-A-M-U-R-D-E-N. And that's where you'll find it. Yeah. Okay, I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Now, you also have a book called Render for More. So can you tell us you like your journey to becoming an author and writing that book and you know how God gave you the vision to write that book? Okay, well, Render for More is, well, it's pretty much just like my baby interior, like mm-hmm. it's baby ministry. So um, Render for More, it came from the place of, from my educational, so my educational realm of being a teacher. And from there, it's like a short, it's a very short read, but it's a memoir that actually parallels with Esther. And it talks about me going through a time where you have to trust doing uncertainties. Um, it's during a time where you have, uh, like for me, when I just kind of found on it earlier um, during our discussion together, um, is that it's feeling when you have that orphan spirit. Um, Esther, she was an orphan, but she was an orphan biologically, but I was the orphan spiritually. I kept feeling like, you know, I love father, I love you, but something I must be doing wrong. I had that just for a short period of my life um, um, that I felt like I was, I didn't have that true identity as others. And so I was able to find my place. And so Wonderful More is, it's, a, it's like a devotional. It has questions in the back, it have a quiz. Um, it talk about different things, how to own your crown. It talk about the different um, transitioning, how to transition in life, but it also talk about the different aspects of Esther. 
um, the Esther eyes, you know, how to use Esther feet with doing unraving confidence. So it's, it's breaking her down and her characteristic and how you can apply it as a woman, as we like to call ourselves modern women, or right now, Proverbs 31 is a very popular term a lot of women are using too. Mm -hmm. But it's able to be able to, um, to use that in our time, in our generation, and to be able to relate it to who you are. Yeah. So how did the vision for the book come about? The vision, yeah, well, guess what? The vision was, I'm gonna have to say solely to God, because I did not plan this. It was never planned. Um, I wasn't sure. I knew it was ministry, but I never knew that he was going to add the book, the writing ministry with it. Did not see it. So that's what I'm saying. When God is about surprises, he is definitely about surprises. Just dive all in. And so the vision came and it was, she just heard, write a book. I'm like, what? Okay. So I just started doing that, but I was like, I'm not quite sure. And then it, when I was just sitting, you know, I kept sitting and sitting, and then eventually it was like Esther, and I'm like, okay, so I started looking at Esther, but I already knew I love Esther, and I'm like, well, this relate. And then from there, it was like, I said, well, let's look at the different characteristics in the different parts of Esther, and then it went from there, actually, and it just, I was like, wow, and there's the book, it, it came to life, it definitely came to life, so yeah. Yes, I love what God throws a, a good plot twist at us. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen that TikTok where it's like asking God and the person's like, are we supposed to know what we're doing when God gives you the vision? <laughs> like, I could totally relate to that. Like yeah. having the vision and not knowing what to do, but then, you know, trusting his, his lead on the vision. My last question before we get into the bonus round, what is the future for yourself and the responsive soul community okay i love that question okay so the future um hopefully i'm seeing that i will continue with writing ministry pouring into uh, it would be definitely be christian uh, inspirational writing and then also traveling i, I definitely see that there's going to be traveling um and it's traveling in the sense of teaching it's going to be a teaching mechanism of um, it's community-based, but at the same time, a little bit of uh, evangelism. So I'm excited to see how that's going to unfold. I don't know, but hey, God, I'm waiting on your timing. And hopefully with, um, with Responsive Soul, I'm hoping that it won't just be a Bible study community or a discipleship community. It would probably also extend to where it actually would help with maybe single moms ministry. I'm seeing that for some reason, but I'm not quite sure, but I'm thinking that's where it's going to do like a, it's going to be an outlet for that for service. So that would be another pillar we can add to that community for servitude. So yeah. Great. Well, I can't wait to see your journey and see where it goes. Um, I'll definitely be following you. Oh, thanks. I call this the bonus round where I'm going to ask you like four questions and just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's terrible for no. me. <laughs> no, no, you got it. So the first okay. question is, what is one thing that you felt that you feel helped you find your purpose? Wow. Oh, okay. I will say first the Bible, but it would have to definitely be my family. I have such a great supportive family like um i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing today if they was important to me even till today so it's definitely my family yeah that christian background all right 
What is one piece of advice you would give to a black woman who is in search of her purpose? Okay. I will tell her to um, don't look to the culture. Look within yourself um, and know that your uniqueness is there and it is relevant for this time. It's relevant for you to use it in a way that it can channel you to be a bridge to the next generation to come. And you are definitely an Esther. You have your crown to wear and just wear it boldly. Yeah. I like that. What is one goal-oriented item you do daily to keep you on track with your purpose? Well, I get up every morning at three o'clock um, in the morning and spend time with God. If I don't in make up my bed, if I don't have that, I feel like um, it's just a little off for some reason. But that's something I definitely have to do. And I do love looking up every morning to the sky. I have to look at the horizon of the sky and to see the beauty of God's handiwork. It's just something about it. It's just so beautiful. So, yeah. And then the last question is, where can people find you on social media? Okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram. I do have a Twitter account, but I'm so bad with that. So I will not uh, send you that there. But um, you can find me on Instagram at Regina Merton. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for coming to the chair. I enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Winnie. I enjoy it too. Thank you. Hey, Queen. Thanks for listening to the Black Women Unfiltered podcast. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other Black queens like you, who are searching to hear stories about Black women finding their purpose and owning their truth, find the show. If you want to hear more from me, follow me on Instagram at Black Women Unfiltered Podcast. Also, check out the website at www.blackwomanunfiltered.net for weekly episode recaps. As always, have a great week.